Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today with Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Good. Just yeah. ready and raring to hear how you're going to solve all our problems. Oh, yeah. We're busy. And then if, you, if you're so great there, we're going to elect you to be president. <laughs> of America or Iran? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're sort of president of Iran, but we're being, we're being excommunicated from them. Yeah. <laughs> we took over a few years ago, but we finally went, we went over the top. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to be talking about the Pentagon, uh, about extremism in the Pentagon, that uh, they got mixed up. They were, they were saying it was terrible, and found out it was true. Yeah. We'll talk about that before I want to do that. One of the big headlines today is that we're still spending a lot of money we don't have. No. Can you believe that? Uh, and hey, do you have a computer there? There's a, so many zeros here. I know. <laughs> Look, all the zeros, $34 trillion. And you know, the markets just hardly blink an eye. That, that to me is the amazing thing, $34 uh, trillion. But there's a few, a few good ones in Congress and uh, reality will set in, but in the meantime, everybody's gonna try to get what they can get and uh, see, see how well they can come out on this. But uh, you know, people say, well, what are we gonna do with this? How can we do this? What would you do? I'd pass one law. The law would be, there's a lot of, a lot of reforms you have to do in the social system and the, and the foreign policy and, and uh, privacy and all that. But one, one law, if they would obey it, you know, if the government would obey it, and that would be that uh, government debt, anytime Congress ran up a debt and issued a treasury bill, the Federal Reserve could not buy it. They could not buy the debt That's a good because idea. then then it would stop and you'd have you'd have a chaos and then people would get a little bit nervous about that. But that really is where it started. It's so symbolic of it. You know what would an individual do? You know if uh, if we had a counterfeit machine and said, you know you have it and nobody else in Lake Jackson has it. Just be <laughs> a little bit careful. Print it as you, you need it. <laughs> the temptation would be there oh, for yeah. a lot a lot of people. We wouldn't have to fundraise. But <laughs> anyway, we're going to hear about that some more because uh, they're not going to uh, take any of our suggestions, but they will have to accept the fact that the real spending is done. The, you know, the dollar is done, so the real spending is there, and that's why people are unhappy and, and they uh, have to pay so much at the grocery store. But we want to talk about what's going on in Iran. Uh, it was started off, 50 people killed, uh, then it was 100, maybe 150, who, who knows, until they kind of, and this was uh, an attack. And to make it sound really, really bad, if you attach the word terror on then you better pay attention. And, and it probably sounded like a bit of terroristic bombing, this was. So the first thing I asked uh, was this bombing in Iran, um, it was at a memorial service uh, for Bustamante. Yeah, and uh, so there was some politics in this for sure, but uh, of course, uh, most of our viewers will remember that uh, the parting shot of the last administration in January uh, 2020 was to assassinate yeah. uh, Bustamani. And uh, that, that is, uh, led to problems, and there, were, there was a celebration. It was a peaceful celebration because uh, he was a well-respected person. He uh, tried his best to defend Iran, but maybe he was doing too well because uh, we, we certainly, United States and the British were very unhappy with how well the Iranians were taking care of themselves in 1953. 
So we say, oh yeah, well, well they have democracy. They have an elected president, uh, Mossadegh. He's a president now. So we got to get rid of them. Yeah. So they have a coup. And the results have you know, le led to hostages taken and perpetual conflict. And now it's sitting here and people do talk about, well, is this going to spread? Because early on, there were people, including us, expressed a concern about it spreading on the Middle East. What about at Lebanon and other places? Well, all you have to do is look at today's paper and you think, well, maybe some of that is real. And the potential is always there because this whole system that we work with is participating in, uh, in our so-called right to intervene and our responsibility to make the world safe for democracy and all of that, which is a bunch of hooey and makes it, <coughs> makes it very difficult dangerous for the American people and has not only nothing to do with our national defense, it has something to do with undermining our national defense. And that's what we're suffering from now because we're, we don't even have the money left to defend our borders and we don't have any desire. So in a way, uh, I don't know if anybody else sees this way. Does it could it be that we've surrendered? Yeah. We, oh, well, we don't want to fight. This people, people are, they, they're not carrying weapons, so we'll just give them the country. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's rather annoying to not only libertarians and constitutionalists, but uh, many Republicans and even liberal Democrats sure. are getting fed up. The, the city mayors that contributed so much to this mess, they're coming on bended knee now. Well, the federal government needs to help us send us money because we have these people that are in our country, are in our cities now, and we don't like that. Go to send them back to Texas. They don't have enough, yeah. you know. So that's where they are. This is not going to go away, and this uh, crisis could explode while we speak, for all we know. And uh, it's it's <clears throat> it's lining up the ducks, and we certainly are aligned uh, with Israel on this. And uh, and yet, I don't think people see the potential alignment on the other side because if all the uh, all the uh, uh, Arab nations come together and they have in the past they might finally say we, we before it's us we better help uh, the Gaza and the yeah. Palestinians out who knows what's gonna happen yeah it's it's basically <clears throat> it was a three-year uh, commemoration of the assassination of General Soleimani the head of the uh, Revolutionary Guards he was on a peace mission in in uh, Baghdad, of all places, when Trump did probably the stupidest thing in his presidency. Now he did, he lobbed some bombs over to Syria on that bogus chemical attack, but he basically hit some empty buildings. He's kind of like, I got to do something, I'll do this, no big deal. But he was goaded into this. I would love to hear what went on behind, behind the scenes, because I can imagine Pompeo and all the neocons surrounding him, telling him, here's your chance. You got to take him out. You got to do this. This guy is going to attack Americans. You know, just lying to the hilt. And <clears throat> for, <coughs> for all of Trump's positive uh, qualities, <coughs> excuse me, uh, take a break. concentration was not one of them. So I think they really talked him into doing this. But I wonder what he was saying to them and how he was receiving their call. But it turned out to be the stupidest thing he did in his presidency. And now on the commemoration of the third anniversary, there's this attack um, in Iran, uh, in Kerman, where the cemetery is, and it's the biggest attack, terrorist attack in Iran since 1981, so 40 years. You know, this whole episode now, this recent one, has really divided the parties. 
which uh, we have no worry about that because sometimes when parties come together and they endorse all this nonsense. But the, the Republican Party certainly has, uh, has a division now. There, there's some decent Republicans now are saying it's uh, not time to send more money to Ukraine and the Middle East and with its back off. And th then uh, the, they, they think, uh, but it, it hasn't helped the Democrats either because, you know, the liberal progressive Democrats align themselves with the Palestinians uh, for various reasons. And uh, so they're, they're, it really is in chaos. The chaos, this type of chaos, when parties lose a little bit of their clout, that, that's okay with, with me. But it's too bad they don't change to a position of non-intervention. You know, they, they, they say, who's going to be the boss? Who's going to be the king of, the, of our, our, our program? And they don't, they don't say that. Uh, they, they realize that uh, it, it will be uh, determined by force and power. And so often... Uh, the people go along with it, but I don't. I don't think the American people have a full knowledge of this. They, they certainly look how we worked hard to try to head off what we were doing in Ukraine, you know, with the coup in, going on in Ukraine, and, uh, and yet, yet the people really didn't rally to that. Now they're getting annoyed. We're spending too much money. Oh, a hundred billion. It can't be a hundred billion, can it? A hundred billion. Maybe we shouldn't be there. That yeah. kind of nonsense. Anyway, the answer to the to the monetary problems, I think, is easy. The answer to these kind of problems, this one is going to expand as is as will others because we have problems in uh, Taiwan and uh, you know the various other places in the country. So that's what it's uh, it's uh, they're just changing a total policy of not listening to the neocons and saying the purpose of a national defense is to defend our country, and maybe they should look at our borders. Yeah, well, you mentioned the American people and the polling on this. You know, we know for sure, we've talked about it, you talked about it this week in your column. The polling on Ukraine is very clear. The American people do not want it. Uh, Republican voters, 61%, say not another penny to, to Ukraine. But on Israel, it's, it's similar, actually, which is interesting because I think we, we mentioned this poll several times. It's the most recent one that we're barely divided 50-50 between those who don't want us to support Israel anymore. And it's not only the left and the right. In fact, it's the younger generation when you look at that. The younger generation is not, doesn't have the same uh, attachment that the boomers had uh, uh, to Israel. And so they basically, I think, are a little bit more non-interventionist when it comes to that. But let's go to a couple of these um, uh, stories on what happened this morning. So Iran confirms over 70 killed by terror attacks on memorial event for Soleimani. Um, and if you go to the next one, this is an update. This is uh, al Mayadeen English. <coughs> and they have upped the death toll now to 211 mm. killed in these terror bombings. I've looked at some of the video. I don't necessarily recommend it unless you have a strong stomach because it was a very, very tight crowd and a couple of bombs apparently remotely controlled went off and did some horrible things to the human body. And the reason why this is also important, Dr. Paul, is this is just a day after Israel assassinated a Hamas leader in Beirut. So not on the border because there's a lot of skirmishes on the border, but they went all the way to Beirut and assassinated a, uh, a top Hamas leader. In fact, interestingly enough, and this is what I, I read and I haven't uh, verified it, but apparently uh, this, this leader was involved in the negotiations with Israel in Qatar. So he was just over there meeting, maybe not face to face, but certainly meeting through the intervention of Qatar, talking about ceasefire. He goes back home to Beirut and they lob a missile and take him out. So 
It's clear that this is all a, uh, an escalation. We don't know right now who uh, put off the bombs in Iran. Well, you can have some guesses. Um, the MEK, we, we remember that from when you were in, in office. They're an extremist uh, group, <coughs> Marxist, uh, <coughs> Islamist group in Iran that carry out uh, attacks. They're sponsored by Israel and the U.S. We remember people like Pompeo, all the neocons, they go get speeches to MEK conferences and get 25, 50,000 bucks to give a speech. Uh, They were on the terror list until Hillary decided to take them off. So they're, I would say, probably a prime suspect. But of course, we always hear the Iranian-backed Houthis, you might say the Israel-backed MEK or the U.S.-backed MEK, um, if that were the case. So could be Mossad, could be the U.S., we don't know, but I guess as with all crimes like this, you would ask who benefits. Now, some people have suggested, I've seen some people on Twitter, neocons suggesting that Iran did it itself to its own people to keep them hating uh, Israel. That's, that's a possibility. We don't know. We don't know that it's not true. But when you look at who might benefit from it, it doesn't seem to point in that direction. Well, Netanyahu is losing support from, oh, yeah, the, big from time. the uh, Israeli people. And it's down to 15 percent. And they say... As soon as the war's over, we're going to get rid of them. <laughs> so, you know, some of the uh, uh, way governments are run, you're able to, uh, you know, dismiss a, a prime minister or a president. But uh, in this case, what people say, well, you can't change a horse in the middle of the stream, that kind of thing. We, we, we wouldn't want to do that. But uh, then I got to thinking, that's a poor system. But what kind of a system do we have? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, would we ever get, would we, well, we might try, but it's all a political game. We, uh, you know, we're, uh, uh, there's, there's an impeachment thing against our president, and we know this is very, very serious. We're trying to catch up with the other side. They did it twice, and we have to keep, keep, keep busy. You know, we know something about impeachment, but it's not real. And, you know, the only real thing is the support by the people, and they're getting statistics now to show that Trump is gaining support. And you mentioned earlier something about the young people, you know, are becoming alert to this and they're not gone ho. And I used to poke fun at the uh, on the whole idea about who starts war and uh, why the military, especially young people, supported me. I said, well, why, why, do they, why wouldn't they want to support me? I don't want to send them off to war. Yeah. I said, most wars, are, wars aren't started by young people. They don't, they don't get together. The people from 18 to 24 in one country have a have a, a, a meeting with people from another country and say, you know, wouldn't it be neat if we could get a war? We could yeah. have a lot of fun. I mean, it's insane. But they, but the, all the burden falls on them. The immediate burden of being drafted, being killed, and uh, and that uh, that to me is. Uh, is such a tragedy, and uh, the founders tried to prevent that from happening. That uh, you know, you know how resistant they were to my suggestion that well, if you want a war, you have to get support of the people, and you have to declare the war. And they, they, I mean, they nearly went hysterical. Yeah, over that. <coughs> did not like that. <coughs> well, the war is not going well for for Israel in Gaza, uh, and that's pretty clear. They're very good at dropping bombs on civilians from twenty thousand feet or what have you, and blowing up what, 20-some thousand of them. They're pretty good at that. But urban warfare is different. And ironically, by bombing the, uh, the Gaza Strip into the Stone Age, what the Israeli military has done is created <coughs> enormous number of firing points, you know. And I've seen video after video of Hamas fighters hiding behind uh, buildings and just taking out tanks, taking out groups of soldiers. 
They didn't count on this. They're not doing well in urban warfare. And in fact, um, Netanyahu announced that they are withdrawing five brigades from Gaza and decommissioning them, taking them home. They're coming home. They're scaling back the war. Uh, there's dissent in the ranks. You talk about the unpopularity of Netanyahu. I'm just reading a piece in Haaretz, an Israeli left-wing newspaper, talking about a large, almost unbridgeable <coughs> disparity between the understanding that the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces, are already in the midst of a deployment for the third stage of the war in Gaza and what the political decision makers are projecting outwardly. There's a real fight between the military and the political. Uh, and so that is leading, I think, to them striking out more. They struck out in Beirut. That's an obvious escalation looking to maybe take away some of the attention. But the other thing, and if we can go to the next <clears throat> clip, in a rare rebuke from the State Department, uh, they've also started talking about, in the open, about ethnic cleansing. Now, here is the spokesman of the State Department, Dr. Paul Matthew Miller, and he started out yesterday. He said, the U.S. rejects the inflammatory and irresponsible statements from Israeli ministers Smotrich and Ben-Giver, Ben Gvir, there should be no mass displacement of Palestinians from Gaza. So they're getting nervous. And if you go to the next one, here's what Ben Gvir said. Um, he said, we need to encourage the residents of Gaza to emigrate. It's a solution we must advance. The word solution here is very sensitive uh, in this context. And so the State Department responded to this saying, we don't accept this language. Uh, and then Ben Gvir, well, he wasn't going to take it lying down. If you can put the next one up. And I'm just putting this on, Dr. Paul, just to show some of the frustration. He responded by saying, I greatly appreciate the United States of America, but with all due respect, we are no longer a star on the American flag. America is our best friend, but we're going to do what's good for the state of Israel. No, that's fine. I don't think, any, I don't think we would uh, criticize that. You have to do what's, what you think is best for your country. But it's not just Ben Gvir who's saying it. If you go to the next one, you've got... Netanyahu is saying the same thing. He's looking for countries to absorb the Palestinians. So the goal is ethnically cleanse the Palestinians and make that another part of Israel. But the point is, and I think we would agree with what Ben Gvir said, that, hey, this is our country. We're going to do what we think is right. The problem is, and I think a lot of non-interventionists would agree, and this is something we've put on before. If you'll put the next one on. This is Aaron Maté, and he is putting up a quote, and we've put it on the show before. But this is a quote from a retired major general from the Israeli Defense Forces, and he said all of our missiles, the ammunition, the precision-guided bombs, all the airplanes and bombs, it's all from the U.S. The minute they turn off the tap, you can't keep fighting. You have no capability. Everyone understands that we can't. So it's, it's, you know, on the one hand, yes, you have the right to do whatever you think is right. On the other hand, we as Americans have the right to say, okay, we don't want to be behind it. We don't want this blood on our hands. You know, when wars start, sometimes they don't realize it's the ultimate war for the homeland. Yeah. And the people who finally grasp that, uh, you know, during the war effort, uh, they do very well in the war. We think about how in the world the people in Vietnam uh, defeated the United States and we had to leave with our tail between our legs. I mean, but it was their homeland and it made, made a big difference. How about the way we won the revolution? You know, uh, the British were the strongest in the world, but we were defending what the, the, the uh, colonists believed was their home, home 
homeland. And this, I, I think, is uh, something they don't realize that is a very powerful thing. And I think there's been now a shift. At the beginning, they don't pay enough attention. But now it's down to the wire. You know, when they say, you mean you totally destroy Gaza? Yeah. You know, and they used to at least talk about, you know, how can we divide this up? Uh, we need to go back to the UN and how, how, maybe they'll do a better job this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you destroy it, but you haven't destroyed Hamas. And that was the whole goal. And that's a, you know, that's a reasonable goal if they're your military enemy, but they haven't done yeah. a good job. <clears throat> but we should move on to the other thing we wanted to talk about. We noticed this this morning on Zero Hedge. And it just fits in perfectly with basically everything that we're hearing, mostly from the Biden administration, but just in general these days. If you can turn the next one on. Now, everyone remembers this. This was back in 2021. <clears throat> the big problem was the, the uh, military was full of extremists. Well, here's the article from Hedge. Pentagon's extremism in our ranks propaganda debunked by their own study. Um, and if we go to the next one, here's what they were saying in 21. They were talking about, um, click that next one on if you can. <clears throat> a new policy that details the banned activities from advocating terrorism, supporting the overthrow of the government, fundraising on behalf of extremist groups, or liking or reposting extremist views on social media. So they had to have a new policy to counter extremism. Well, thanks to the Wall Street Journal's reporting uh, that was reflected in Zero Hedge, if you can put the next one on, the Pentagon then did a uh, study to find out, well, how bad is it? What's going on? <coughs> and as the Wall Street Journal reports, good news, the military isn't packed with violent <laughs> extremism. There is none in there. Um, the uh, study says that they, quote, found no evidence that the number of violent extremists in the military is disproportionate to U.S. society, fewer than 100 substantiated cases per year of extremist activity by members of the military, and you have to wonder how low the bar is for extremist activity. You know, truth will out, and that's what happens. After a while, they finally hear it. But the problem is it's sometimes a little late, but not always too late. It's good that we're getting this information. Sometimes you only hear the truth, uh, you know, maybe a couple decades later. But the, the truth and history will be more honest than the uh, people who are running the war for, uh, you know, their special reasons. But uh, the uh, whole thing is, is this, this, is, this comes a little late, but it's still worthwhile. But it should tell the American people, beware when you read about more expenditures for national security interests and for your safety. Safety, we all want to be safe, and the federal government does have some responsibility, just how, you know, following some rules, make us safe, give, them, give us our liberty, and we'll yeah. be safer than when they protect us, or so-called so pretend to protect us. But that's, that's, the, that's the problem that we have, is the American people go along, they get scared, they don't see much, they haven't heard of the real problem, and, uh, and that's why, you know, the uh, demonstrations, uh, unfortunately, it can lead you know to the violence but the people demonstrating i think is a good sign we're sick and tired of this war and uh that's that reminds me you know not too many months ago we uh, tried to get attention when we went to washington and yeah. had, a, had a rally up there uh, trying to point out the nonsense of all this maybe we'll do it again someday. hopefully yeah hopefully well the uh the one thing that strikes you is, is everything it's almost like gaslighting January 6th was a big lie. We know that now. 
uh, and Vivek Ramaswamy, to his credit, he's not afraid to say he thinks it was a setup. He thinks it was cooked up. He's taken a lot of heat for it. But um, it was a lie. And it was a lie just used to justify a crackdown against people who thought there might be something wrong with the elections. Well, this was also a big lie. And it was used to crack down on people in the military, maybe who were a little bit more independent-minded. They, remember, they used COVID for that, too. You better get your shot or you're going to be kicked out of the military. They kicked out people that we knew, very good members of our military who were free-thinking people. I think they wanted to get rid of those types of people. I have a, I have a rule that I cautiously approach these issues with, is when so-and-so goes and accuses, say, Trump or the Republicans or somebody else of all this evil doing, if you're real patient and pay attention, it turns out, Hillary, I think, is an example of this. All, yeah. all this stuff, they make the accusation. And the reason they make, make these accusations is if they've thought it through real well because they were doing it yeah, all. Exactly. You know? and, and some of that has come out. The truth has come out. But then it, it dies off a little bit and people forget. And we got to make sure the country doesn't go bankrupt, which is we're getting there. The, bank, yeah. the bankruptcy thing is uncontrollable. That yeah. is marching on no matter what we say or we change the Congress, there is no way that you're going to see that uh, slow down even, yeah, let yeah. alone correct itself. Well, I'm going to close out, Dr. Paul, and thank all of our viewers. Starting a new year, trying to build the show. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, please subscribe, whether you're on Rumble, whether you're on YouTube or wherever you are. Please hit like and help us reach more people <coughs> with the show. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for watching the show and keeping interested in what we do at the Ron Paul Liberty Report and at the Ron Paul Institute. Over to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. And I, too, want to uh, give thanks to our viewers because uh, without your help, we have trouble getting uh, our information out. But fortunately, uh, we have been blessed with the ability to at least get it out. Numbers aren't ev everything. Our numbers are good and they're improving, but numbers aren't the key. So viewers, like I assume we have, are very, very valuable because they know what's going on and they may spread the message. So it, it is much more powerful than you if you're watching cat uh, movies or something like that. I mean, the numbers, the numbers just don't mean anything. So uh, the uh, effort to do this is uh, something that we ha have to do because, uh, you know, the, mil the military uh, is out of control. We have to control that. We also have the spending is out of control. And all this is coming together right now. Uh, so that is why it's so important not to think of how are we going to cut the budget by 1% next year, which they won't even vote for. Uh, what, what, what can you do? It has to be based on a principle. Somebody say, well, you can't have these absolute principles like n no, no foreign intervention and uh, only do it under the Constitution. Well, uh, that's where the leak goes. For After that, you don't ever have to go to Congress for a declaration of war. You don't have to... Uh, go and revamp the monetary system. The, the financing is simple. The Fed does whatever the Congress wants it to do. Uh, the debt runs up and the, and the uh, Federal Reserve prints the money. So uh, it's, a, it's a bigger picture and it's philosophic and it has to do with a one specific understanding what personal liberty is all about. If you start from there and work up, we will end up with a system similar to and maybe better than what the founders had hoped for because they were anxious for us to have individual personal liberty. Unfortunately, we have abused that opportunity. Let's try and change that and make it better for the individual to gain one's freedom. 
want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.